Good morning and welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Uh, my name is Drew Mines. Uh, welcome this morning if you're visiting uh, with us. There was a great Women's Day yesterday. Um, I got to just see pieces of it um, called Authenticity. And uh, I was thinking, what if we had a men's day called Masculinity? And we just, and we just drank tea together. Let's do it, baby. I love it. Yeah? No, Aaron says no. But we're brainstorming here, so maybe. Uh, but a great Women's Day yesterday. Uh, thanks to all who helped out so much with that. Uh, you know, it seemed like it went really well. Um, and uh, I do want to just encourage all of us this morning uh, as we, we make our way through the book of Ephesians. We're coming actually to the end here. It's funny, after you go through Matthew like we did, yeah. you're like, oh, we probably got like two years left, you know. Uh, but we're coming up on the end of Ephesians, uh, which is awesome. The book of Ephesians has been, been a great way for us to really look at a church uh, 2,000 years ago that struggled with a lot of the same things we struggle with. But the great thing about Ephesians is that it seems like they're also doing a lot of things well. Uh, it seems like they're, uh, they're, they're doing a lot of things, and Paul actually speaks and encourages them. Uh, they seem to be giving a lot of uh, inspiration and faith to others. And so in the same way, you can kind of read a book and say, okay, all the things not to do from the Scriptures. But here, in a lot of ways, we're looking at, man, how can we be like the Ephesians? How can we actually be like this church 2,000 years ago who, who fought some, through so many struggles? Uh, and for us, in the same way, to take that lesson uh, for ourselves. Um, the title of my lesson this morning um, is His Grace or Disgrace. Um, and uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Dun, dun, dun. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, Galatians 5, scary chapters. You know, that's when Paul's basically buttered them up for four chapters. He has them where he wants them, and now he's going in. Um, but in some ways, uh, Paul, yeah, Paul has spent the first three chapters encouraging them. Uh, I do think it is a good point that we should probably make sure that we do know Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 very well. Uh, because that's just as important as what we're about to get into. I, I actually, in my nature, like these, this more because I can get my mind around it. It's like commands. Oh, I can, I can get my mind around a command. But it's hard to get my mind, and obviously Paul even says that, like we can't even fathom the height and width and length and depth of Christ's love. That's harder to really get, but I, I want to encourage us. Let's not forget that as we continue reading in Ephesians 5. This is not a section in isolation. Uh, this is a section after... Really, three chapters um, of how much God has loved us, despite all that we've done. Right. Um, it was great. We were actually at the uh, Women's Day yesterday, and we were waiting for the, the women to, to finish. And there was the, there was, um, I don't think he's here this morning. Um, he said he may, he may come. But we were talking with the janitor there, the maintenance guy, uh, Chuck. And uh, we got into a, Chuck's actually a, um, a, a biker pastor. So he, he leads church services in, in bars for bikers all over the world, but, or all over the country. But we, um, we talked to, to Chuck for a bit, and Chuck was talking about, he's like, man, uh, all religions are pretty much the same. Like, we all, you know, we all trying to be good, and we all worship kind of the same God. Um, so we were talking, and I said, well, something that I've seen is very different in other religions is this idea of grace. No other religion has grace. No other religion has embrace first then trust that performance will come second. Every other religion is do this, do that, and if you don't, you will fall short and you will be rejected. Um, and, and so I brought that up, and he was like, huh, you know, it's interesting, it's a good point, because really, if you read the Quran, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff in there that looks pretty similar to the Bible, but there's no grace. Um, if you read the other books and the world fades, they're missing grace. Our world is missing grace. Uh, in general, it's not just religions, it's people. We, we miss out on, on grace. 
Um, think, about, think about much of the world we live in. Uh, I, I think, all, you know, turning on the news, it's a lot of condemning others. Yeah. You messed up. You blew it. Everything, every minor mistake is he blew it. Catastrophic failure, incompetence. Like, we just, like, label dramatic defeats and we criticize each other. Um, oh, and we're very dramatic and we don't understand grace as a people. It's very unique. It's very different to us because God's love is very unique to us in general. We don't understand God's love. Yeah. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Actually, I want to read verse 32 of Ephesians 4 so we can get a little context. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. My version is the NET. It's a little different, but just hang in there. Verse 1. Therefore, because of what I've just said about forgiving each other, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. You know, there's something about forgiveness um, that's very difficult. But when we forgive each other, we actually have a family resemblance to our father. And uh, it, the, the Bible says here, actually, people should be able to see that you're a child of God if you're forgiving others. If we don't forgive, we just look like everybody else in the world. You blew it. You're done. It's over. You're out of my heart. I don't have to give to you anymore. And so it's a, it's a side point, but I, it, it does carry us into this section he says, listen, we need to be imitators of God. We need to, the word imitate in Greek is, you know, uh, mimeo, basically mimic. We need to mimic God. We need to imitate God. And we can have a family resemblance by forgiving each other. Amen. And not just forgiving the easy stuff. I mean, you don't, you don't have to forgive people that you're best friends with. It's really forgiving the people that's hard to forgive. So I just want to encourage us as a church to keep that in mind as we read. But let's have a family resemblance to our Father. That people notice uh, by our actions, by our forgiveness, letting things go, if we are indeed uh, uh, sons and daughters of the father. Hey, that's, that's you know, that's, that, that's, that, that's his boy. That's his girl. You know, that, that's his daughter. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but let it be that we actually bear a family resemblance to our dad in that way, that we forgive others who totally don't deserve it. Um, verse, verse 2, and walk in love. My version says, and live in love. When the Bible says walk, it often means, how, what's your behavior? Walk this way, walk that way. What's your behavior? Just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you, there must not either be a hint of sexual immorality or of impurity of any kind, of greed, as these are not fitting for God's holy people. Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse joking, all of which are out of character. But rather, have thanksgiving. For you can be confident of this one thing. Wow, we better listen up. You can be confident of this one thing. That no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let nobody deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, God's wrath comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
For the things they do in secret are shameful even to mention. But all things being exposed by the light are made evident. For everything made evident is light. And for, the re- and for this reason it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What a passage. A lot of us know the first part. We use it a lot. Like, you know, the NIV says, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. Other versions say, don't even mention it. The idea of it, you shouldn't even be talking about it. I mean, he doesn't say, don't just not do it, but don't even mention it. Like, it shouldn't even be on our radar in terms of things that are okay. Also, joking, impurity, greed. And here, both here and in Colossians 3, which is a very similar passage, Paul says the greedy person is an idolater. You're, worship, you're worshiping an idol. Money is your, money is your, uh, your God, you know. And that's, that's an interesting point. Here it is. It's like, okay, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, you know, <laughs> does that logically flow? Uh, but we got to make sure that, that, that greed, we're just, just as uh, uh, aware of the hint of greed as the hint of sexual immorality. Uh, we kind of let that one go with greed. But sometimes we, we don't, we're not aware of uh, really how greed can seep its way into our heart. Uh, you know, think about your giving to God. Think about your contribution to God. Do you give more to Comcast than you do to God? You know, do you, do you give more to your internet than you do to God? Like, our, you know, like, is greed seeping into our lives? It's a point that we can't forget. You know, he talks about foolish talk, uh, uh, you know, vulgar speech. I love, we talked about this Wednesday, but just before this in chapter 4, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It seems like the primary way of grieving the Holy Spirit is by what comes out of our mouths. Anything that comes out of our mouths that is disunifying, critical, or tears somebody else down, that actually grieves the Holy Spirit. It actually makes God grieve. It makes God cry. It makes God sad and ashamed. It makes God hurt. And so he says, Alyssa, we've got to be careful about what we're saying to each other. And not just like, okay, don't just say not, you know, don't avoid saying bad things, but actually say good things. Build each other up. We had a great midweek service last Wednesday where for 20 minutes we just had people come up to the front and lift somebody else up. Now people were telling me, wow, like I left church like so encouraged. Well, that's what it's supposed to do. We're supposed to build up each other, but not just, you know, on a Wednesday every blue moon, but really we've got to be talking, saying these things to each other to build each other up. And then he comes to a point that I really want to harp on. I want to spend the rest of today talking about this point. Because I think it's a point that we miss. But he says, listen, all of these things, avoid them. Rather be thankful. I like that. Right. If, if you want a practical for dealing with your impurity, your greed, or any of these things he mentions, yep. be thankful. Yeah. Make a gratitude list. Make a thankful list. On, That's actually a great practical uh, to help our hearts as we go through these things, as we, as we struggle to repent. And then he says in verse 5, I love verse 5. I think NIV says you can be sure of this. You know, my version says about one thing you can be completely confident. That no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now that's scary. That's a scary one. Uh, And then after we read that, what does our conscience immediately do? I don't know about you. My conscience goes, yeah, that's true, I guess, but... Grace covers all. That's true, I guess, but Jesus died for me, so I don't have to really dwell on that. That's true, I guess, but, uh, you know, who could blame me? Uh, a lot of people have worse sin than I do. A lot of people do worse things than I do. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of Christians out there, they're, they're, they're way worse than I am. 
And what do I begin to do? I begin to deceive myself with empty words. And that's what he says in the very next verse. Let nobody deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, God's wrath comes in the sons of disobedience. It seems like in context, empty words are or is denying the consequences of continuing to live for oneself. It seems like empty words are denying the consequences of continuing to live for oneself. Uh, And I've read this passage many times. I never really got that from it. But it does seem like in context, when you read it, that's what he's saying. I read it several times. It seems like, yeah, listen, if you live this way, how, how is your walk going? And I don't think we like to believe that our behavior matters. We live in a world, man, what is the first thing people say? And I say the same thing, right? How you doing? I, I, I've been doing something recently where I sh- when we share our faith. I, I go and reach out to people and evangelize. And I ask them if they go to church anywhere. And they usually say something. And it's funny. Sometimes they're like, yeah, I do go somewhere. What's the name of it again? Yeah. It's like, I love that place. And I'm like, what's the name of, the, you don't know the name of the place you love. Um, what's the name of the church? They're like, uh, it's the one on the, with the stone. And I was like, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing this thing recently where someone will say, yeah, I go here, I go there. And then the next question I ask is, oh, do you really go though? And most, I have more and more people are going, no. So their initial thought is, oh yeah, I go to this one. You really go though? No. How's your faith? Eh, it's okay. Could be better, right? Do you read the Bible? I do. It could be better, right? We get into uh, 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 just survive mode, I think a lot. And it's not just for the world out there, it's for us in here. Where it's so easy, I know for myself, it's easy to get in just tread water. Just tread water. Just make it through the week. And I think what happens, this happened to me recently, is I, was, I got up. You ever have one of those good mornings where kind of everything's going right? I got up early. I was like, oh man, early. You know, still dark. I was like, oh man, being like Jesus here. Got up while it was still dark. You know, exercised. Had a quiet time. I was like, oh, that, if I can do those two things, that's a good day for me. Uh, I did those two things, then I'm off, off to go live my day. And then things started to go wrong. Um, there began to be certain situations where I felt like I had put some effort into planning some things or doing some things, and then it just didn't seem like people wanted to be there or, or cared. Or, and I began to get my feelings hurt. Um, and then I went right to, I just want to go home. Because I had a plan for the rest of the day to really do all these you know, things for God. You know? But I was like, I just... I don't want to keep getting hurt. I, don't want, I know I, all these things, I'm supposed to go meet with that brother. I'm supposed to go help with that event. I'm supposed to go share my faith, but I don't want to because I'm hurt. And I don't feel like doing it. I want to go home and I want to watch basketball and I want to eat. That's what I want to do. I want to order some, something. I'm not supposed to order uh, some pizza or something. and I'm just going to eat it. Um, but, you know, I think, that's, I think that's how we get to is we, we begin to allow empty words to dictate our day. And we begin to forget the truth of what God's preaching. We don't like to believe our behavior matters. Now, I'm saying all this in the light of the first four chapters of this book. If you're feeling like, oh, what about grace? Read the first four chapters of this book. Um, uh, grace is there, and it is there in, in, in heavy view. But, but here, Paul's saying, listen, now that we've seen grace, we've got to talk about your walk. We've got to talk about your walk. Um, we've got to talk about your life and what you're, what you're doing here. Uh, we deny the consequences of continuing to live for ourselves. We make that decision to get baptized, 
And we think just because we got baptized, just because there was a little splashing of water, we don't have to continue living for Christ. We think that just because we made some internal uh, uh, comment about the existence of God, we don't have to live for Christ. And we, 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 we allow ourselves to be deceived but also by others. We, I've been there, right? You know, I've probably been that guy at times. You know, some brother confesses to me and I say, hey, man, I know what we mean by it. You know, I'm not, I know what we mean by it. But we, we, sometimes we say, oh, well, you know, grace covers. You know, God is good. How can I pray for you? Now, sometimes that's going to be okay. But sometimes we're just deceiving them with empty words. We're not helping them change. We're not helping them change. And Paul is saying, listen, you guys better listen up. You can be confident of one thing. No immoral or impure or greedy person is going to go to heaven. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, I do want to encourage us. You know, Galatians 5 and this passage, they talk about walking that way. Uh, I want to make a difference between in striving for transformation and striving for discipleship. If you fall, amen, grace covers. Amen, grace is there. It's kind of like being a, a trapeze artist, right? Trapeze artist. So you're up there, or maybe you're a, a tightrope walker. Let's say you're doing your routine, but you have that net down there in case you fall. But some of us aren't even up, up there doing the routine. We're just chilling on the net. We're just like leaning back on the net. We're like, I got grace, baby. And we're just, we don't, we're not even, and then someone, we hear the door open and we're like, I better get up on that trapeze. Uh, but we're not, we're, we're just chilling in grace. It's a difference between I'm going to go live for Christ, but I got grace there just in case I fail. And we will fail. There's a difference though between doing that and living for ourselves this week. And it starts today. It starts today. Even right now. Where's your mind? Where's your heart? Are you letting the word cut you? Or are you just thinking, well, what other stuff I got to get back to? My, I got to get back to all this stuff for myself after church ends. We're just, we're still, we get, we get bought into this. We buy into this, this life of self, man. It's everywhere. We can have a very dysfunctional view. I know I go back to the slide there. That's what I mean. His grace or is it disgrace? Both the idea of disgrace, but also dysfunctional grace. We can have a very dysfunctional view of grace. Um, and, and we think about what God's doing there. He's trying to help us understand. He's trying to actually empower us to do good. But we can have a dysfunctional view of grace. Some of the empty words we can tell ourselves, you know, uh, we, we can convince ourselves that we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time. Those of us who are not disciples this morning, maybe teens, you can think, I got plenty of time. I'm just 13. I'm just 14. I got plenty of time. Who says you got plenty of time? Who says? You know when you're going? You know when your number is going to get called? I don't. There will be a last call. But we can deceive ourselves. I got plenty of time. I'll, I'll do it when I want to. On, I'll see God when I want to. Uh, and how I want to. And with whom I choose to do it with. Right? It's, it's all about us. It's everything about us. And we see God uh, all packaged up in self. And then we wonder why we struggle uh, in the everyday throes of Christianity. Because, well, we haven't done that one thing Jesus said over and over and over again in his gospel. Right? Or in his... In his in his truth telling, in his four books, is what? Deny yourself and carry your cross. Jesus says a lot of things. He never says anything more than he says that phrase. He says it, deny, deny yourself, carry your cross. He says it in every gospel and in two gospels more than, more than once. Um, by the way, Jesus never mentions grace. Now, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we throw out grace. I think sometimes we focus in on grace and we forget to deny yourself. I think we should really look at the, the Bible in full view. Let's look at the Bible with two hands. And say, okay, sure, grace is there. Amen. I, 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 I love grace. I'm so grateful because I, none of us would make it. Nope. None of us would even get close to making it. Nope. But we, we love the grace talk. We don't like the deny yourself talk. Because that one rails against what we've been taught in our consciences throughout, throughout our whole life. We think, I can take my time. I've got plenty of time. 
I'll do a Bible study in two weeks when I, when I maybe get a little time. But the issue is not time. The issue is that you don't love God. You don't, you don't, you don't prioritize him. And we've got to learn that. We've got to learn that. Uh, one of the other lies we can tell ourselves is God doesn't require a complete reorientation of one's life. Just some minor changes. Right? You don't have to completely reorient everything. Just some little, little, little here and there. You're a pretty good guy. Right? You're a pretty good guy. And you feel like, I could, I could probably wheel, you know, I say wheel in, that wouldn't make any sense. But I could probably bring in like 15, 20 people to testify how good, what a good guy I am. You know, but we, we surround ourselves with empty words instead of, God demands a complete reorientation. The word uh, reorient, by the way, or to orient, or uh, to, to bring something, uh, to reorient, is to actually, when they build churches, they make sure the door was facing Jerusalem. That was what it meant to orient a church. And that's where it comes from, is to reorient your life, is actually to reface it toward God. It's actually, re- I can reorient my life. So, all right, so you need to go back to look, living for Christ, you know, so you can use that on people if you want. Um, that's where it comes from. You know, one of the other lies we can tell ourselves, the empty words that God is content to let people slide by on public confession, on interior belief, uh, or on some splashing of water. Uh, God is also, we, we can lie to ourselves, that our behavior doesn't really matter for salvation because that would mean it's not based on works. Yeah. And we, we don't like that. We live in a time in history, every, every, every era in church history had a certain battle to fight. Uh, for about 1,900 years, no one really struggled with baptism. Uh, no, one, no one questioned it in the history of the church. Not even like the Catholics questioned it. And they had changed it. They had, they had it made it at a different time in your life, but they would never have questioned it. Um, we, we, we struggle with different things because of the society we live in. We have to admit that culture and society has a huge impact on how we view the world. We can't say, well, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because that's what Satan's going after. He wants to deceive us with empty words. And he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. We just, let's go back. Let's go, let's go to the very beginning. Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. What does he say? He's a serpent. There's Eve. She's got her specific instructions. And uh, her, you know, God's given her, God's given him everything. God's given him access to everything. But he says, listen, don't, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. And what does Satan say? Did God really say that? There's not going to be consequences for that. You'll be fine. Actually, I think God doesn't want you to do it because of this and that. You could be like God. So Satan's twisting. He's been doing it from the beginning. Satan operates in empty words. He's going to do the same thing for us. Did God really say, you know, you got to forgive or else you won't be forgiven? He probably just is exaggerating. Did God really say, you know, and we begin to question and doubt all these things. And it's not beginning. It's because we let ourselves be deceived by empty words. And then we start to believe in disgrace. Instead of yeah. grace. Uh, it happened also in Matthew 16, 22. Uh, Matthew 16, 22. Now, Peter's a good guy. Peter ends up being the rock on which the church is built. But Peter makes some mistakes, amen? I think it's there for a reason. I think God gave us a lot of people in the Bible with a lot of mistakes for a reason. Uh, people make mistakes, right? But here he is, Peter. He's just coming off a big victory. He said, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. It's not a Caesar. Uh, it's not Herod. It, it is you. He's feeling good coming off a big win, right? It's like my morning when I was like, I worked out and I have a quiet time and I'm feeling good. And then Satan, here comes Satan, right? And in Matthew 16, 32, Jesus says, listen, as the Messiah, as the son of God, I'm going to die. And not just die, be embarrassingly killed and in shameful death in front of everybody. And what does Peter say? Never. No, you don't have to do that. 
You don't have to do that, Jesus. Right? And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, Peter probably thought he was being good. Jesus, you don't have to die. We can, we can make it so that you can actually have more power and you can accrue more influence and we can help more people. Uh, the, the apostles constantly did this, right? They do it in John 12 when uh, the woman breaks the jar and, you know, anoints Jesus. And they go, no, no, we could have given it to the poor. That sounds good, right? A lot of money for the poor. But Jesus, says, Jesus had a, a, a command from God. And he says, Peter, this is, this is a worldly piece of advice. Now, I think we can specialize in our, our worldly pieces of advice to each other. Uh, I want to encourage us to, to always, uh, as much as we can, to use Scripture to give advice to each other. Because I can tell you, I, with my best intentions, I can still paraphrase and twist what the Bible's trying to say. And people go, oh, Drew's, you know, I'll listen to what Drew said. Well, we've got to be careful. Even Jesus is like that. I mean, it, Jesus, Jesus took it seriously. That's Satan. That's evil. I have to die. Well, why? Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't he have accrued more power and influence and, and, and been, been a rock star? Well, why? Well, I think it's in Ephesians 5.1 of what we just read. Remember what it said? Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us. There was something about sacrificial love that Jesus understood was completely necessary. And when, when Peter said, you don't have to sacrifice yourself, Jesus was like, you, you've missed the boat. You've missed the picture. That's why I'm here, is to sacrifice myself. Because that is love. I shared the story earlier about how I felt hurt. Um, I didn't want to do anything the rest of the day um, that I needed to do spiritually. spiritually I, mean, I could have done my monot- you know, monotonous tasks, but spiritual things, I didn't want to do them that day. I don't want to get my feelings hurt anymore. I don't want you know, to face some rude person who didn't want to listen to me. or I didn't want to deal with it. And I, and I went to the scriptures, praise God, and I started reading. And I was like, what if Jesus had stopped? That's what I thought. I was like, what if Jesus had stopped at 10 a.m. in the morning after facing a little adversity? But he didn't. He sacrificed not just his life and his death. He sacrificed his life every day. His agenda He didn't necessarily want in himself to go to the cross, but he sacrificed it. You know, that's love. That's grace. God sacrificed his son for us. And somehow we forget how important sacrifice is. And we begin to believe the empty words of selfishness all over again. Um, We begin to believe all these things about us. We we let empty words about God's grace become a reason for us to continue to live in darkness. Uh, I share this story a lot, but when I was studying the Bible, I studied the Bible for a long time with a guy named Nick, and I was giving him lots of one-word answers like, like teens do, or like what you do when you don't want to be exposed. Uh, I was giving lots of one-word answers and being kind of rude to Nick. And um, you know, Nick said, turn your Bible over to John 3. And I was like, John 3, okay, he's probably going to the classic one, right? Nay. He did not go to the classic one. He went to the verse right after that said, men love the darkness because their deeds are evil. And I was like, whoa. Wow. Um, so I got, I got over the initial anger. <laughs> like, you just called me evil. 
Um, but he was, he was right. He was like, what are you afraid to expose? Or what are you afraid to be in the light about? You know, and I think for us, church, a lot of, a lot of what love is, is sacrificing ourselves for each other. Christ never took himself away from people to go get his heart right. A lot of times we take ourselves away from each other because we're, we're, not, we're not in a place to give. Um, Jesus never did that. He lost his own sleep, right? He got up while it was still dark, while others were sleeping to go pray, so that he would never have to take his time away from others. And we get so, we get sucked into this, this selfishness and this, these empty words of selfishness of my schedule, and I need to, to do this, and I need to, and I'm, say, I'm not saying to throw your lives to the wolves here uh, and get no sleep and get checked into the hospital because, you know, they're dehydrated and I don't think we're there yet, but when we get there, we'll back off. But I, I think that the, the, the goal is we have to remember sacrificial love because that's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is we don't deserve it. Those, and that, we get to a point, I, I just did where I share my story, that I think those people don't deserve my time. And I, I don't want to give anymore if I'm just going to get hurt. But I, I forgot Christ. Now, I read my Bible every day, but I still forgot Christ in that moment. I think we have to, we're not going to be perfect, guys. We've got to keep getting back up on that trapeze, keep getting back up on that tightrope, and keep striving to live for Christ. We cannot let Satan win in these empty words. We need constant light to expose the darkness. You know, it's an important, uh, I should that right, but it's an important distinction. It's important to make a distinction between failures in the course of discipleship and failing to pursue transformation. There's a, there's a distinction to be made there. That are we failing? We're, we're going to do our best. And we might, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. But are we even trying? Are we even trying? Do we do things that are out of our comfort zone? You know, and Peter tried to, tried to convince Jesus with empty words. And it looks pretty good. You know, I don't want you to die. Sounds pretty nice. Um, but Jesus is like, no, you're missing out on what the goal, what the goal is. Um, there's a great quote by Seneca. So there's a lot of words in the Bible that are, have only meaning in the Bible. Like, they don't, they don't really see them outside the Bible. Grace is not that word. Grace was a word that everybody would have understood in Ephesus because it was used in, it, everywhere. It was a word that you understood like that. It's like if I said enlist, we would all know. I wouldn't have to explain it. We'd all know, okay, I get that. I get what that means. You'd have to join the military, and probably you have to change your schedule, and you might have to really reorganize things in your life. And I wouldn't have to say any of that. You would just get it because you understand the word. Grace is the same way. And with grace for us, I think that we... Because of the world we live in, and because of different churches we've gone to, growing up, that say these things, repeat these empty words, and amen, I, I, like I said, I've been there. I've said these empty words at times myself. We've got to be careful. Because of that, I think we don't see what grace truly is. We hear grace, and we just hear, like, I don't have to do anything. We hear grace, and we think, I'm just not going to try. We hear grace a lot of times, and we think, oh, I don't have to commit. But Seneca said, the person who intends to be grateful immediately, immediately while receiving, should turn his thought, his or her thought, to repaying. So the idea of grace is that even as you're receiving the gift, your first thought is, how can I give back? You know, how, what, can I, oh, what can I do to help give back to this person? How, oh, and that, that's what he's saying grace is. The second we feel grace, oh, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, what, what, oh, you know what I can do? I can get up early. Oh, I can, I can, I can stay up late. I can go with that brother who's kind of hurting right now. I can go with that sister even though we don't really get along. or I'm not really, I don't really know what to do there. I have no idea what to do. Maybe I could get some advice. And we, we, everything changes because we're eager to repay what we've been given. 
But we first have to see his grace. And it's a daily thing, church. It's daily. How much time do we spend in the world? And I think about this for myself. You ever, I listen to Pandora. It's one of those apps that plays music. And sometimes I, I, I feel convicted because it'll, it'll say, like, this month you listen to 1,214 hours of music. Congrats. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What, what was I, you know, what was I doing? But I thought, wow, how much time did I spend in my Bible? How much time did I spend with people? Now, I know, you know, music's not sinful, but it kind of gave me perspective in itself. Like, wow, look at that. Just little things. Like, we need to strive to not be convinced, not be deceived by empty words, because we can be assured of that one thing, that if we walk in those ways, we will have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Our behavior matters, just as it does in anything else. I often use the illustration of marriage. Often, right? Um, I remember when I first, when Jenny and I were dating, uh, I remember struggling a lot with like, cause I, I would think things were good. You, ever been there? you think things are going well, and you get with the other couple, right? And they go, how are things going? And I would go, great. And then Jenny would be quiet, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> she doesn't think it's great. I look horrible. Um, so then I stopped answering first, and I let, I let her answer first now. I'd be like, is it good? Yeah, it's good, it's good. Uh, but I remember, but I would, Jenny would see things in my character. She would see sins in my character. And either her or Phil Booker, the guy who discipled me at the time, would be like, hey, listen, there's some things in your character that, that, that you need to change. And I always struggled, because I was like, why can't she just love me for me, you know? And we love that, right? That's a big thing my generation likes. I don't want to have to change for anybody. Just love me for me. All that's saying is I don't love you enough to sacrifice for you. Yeah. Right? And Phil was helping me. He was like, don't ever say that again. <laughs> he was like, that's a horrible perspective in marriage to have. Never, ever, ever say that to your wife or anybody. That's, that's a killer perspective. It, it kills the perspective of Christ, that love is sacrificial. And I didn't get it at the time. But it was... But, Jenny cared about me enough to say, I, I do love you, trust that, but I also see things that need to change because they hurt me. And I began to see over time, after I got my, past my struggle with selfishness, that if I love Jenny, sure, I will immediately think, man, how can I repay her? And it's not, it's not a, a money thing. It's not like a, even a, a, a tangible thing a lot of times. It's how can I, how can I love my wife? She, she likes certain things certain ways. She likes the, you know, the dishes to be done. The last thing I'll say is, man, she just wants me to earn her love again with those dishes. You know, why can't she just... But no, it's like, if I love her, if I care about her, I'm eager to do it. I mean, and if, even if I don't, I trust that, she, amen, she's going to love me. And she has multiple times, despite scores of misdeeds on my part. But, but that's the thing about grace, is I think we've got to trust, you know what, I'm going to do my best. And if, even if I, I mess up, as I will... God's right there with me, but let's not go to the other extreme. Because I think there's a lot of great churches out there with a lot of great preachers. I listen to their, their sermons sometimes, and it's a lot of good stuff. But what I've seen in my own personal experience is that there's no second step taken. It's like if I preached and then I said, have a good week. But there's, we take the second step of that brother's not here. How's he doing? Let me call him. Let me disciple him. That sister was here, but she kind of sat by herself and crossed her arms and didn't sing and you know, let me ask her how she's doing. We want to help the second step of, we want to help each other walk in love together. We want to walk together. We don't want to sit together. We want to walk together in love. We want to, we want to have his grace and not disgrace. We want to be motivated by his grace and not disgrace. That's what love is. 
But a lot, we don't like the invasiveness of it. But the reality is, is that Jesus was invasive. He was. He told the rich young ruler to sell all his possessions before he can be saved. Jesus is making him jump through hoops. Oh my goodness, he's making, that's works. That's works, Jesus. Jesus said, no, it's important for his character. He's, he's greedy. He needs to do this. It's, it's important. We, don't, we should challenge each other again. Do we challenge each other? And say, bro, I, I see some, is it okay if I give you a challenge? This week, uh, you know, have a planning time with your wife. Let me know how it goes next week. That's not in the Bible, right? Not explicitly. Well, there's principles in the Bible, but because of what I see in you as your brother in Christ, I'm going to give you a challenge. We challenge each other because we're so eager to not be uh, deceived by empty words that we can really help each other because we understand from Romans 5 that suffering actually produces something. So more empty words can be that suffering is just pain and it's no good and pain's the worst. No, Romans 5 says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. You ever meet somebody with, that's not very mature? Because they haven't gone through much in their life. They haven't had to overcome much. Maturity comes from perseverance. Perseverance comes from suffering. Suffering has a purpose. It produces character in us and, and, and then hope, which does not disappoint. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5. My favorite book of the Bible, by the way. The other books are all great. God's word, love it. But 2 Corinthians is amazing. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised, who died for them and was raised again. I love that. He died, he sacrificed for you so that you should stop living for yourself. For yourself. Does God own every part of your schedule? Or just Sundays, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Stop living for yourself. That's what's going to, not just, you're, you're, the, the primary agent, I'm going to talk about this Wednesday some more. I don't want to, I do not want to exclude this by any means. The primary agent for this change is the Holy Spirit. And this Wednesday we're going to talk about that more. But we grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't invite Christ into our lives. We've got to, we've got to see Christ. You know, what did, what did Jesus say to Peter? You don't have in mind the things of God. You don't have in mind godly concerns. You have manly concerns. You have uh, humanistic concerns. In order for us to be concerned about what God's concerned about, we need to see God. We need to have conversations with God. We need to listen to what God is saying to us. Because... This isn't about us and achieving some standard of performance. This is not, that's, that's so far away from what God's trying to help us see. But to anybody who read this book 2,000 years ago, when they heard the word grace, they would have been, been immediately thinking about repayment. Immediately. We think about grace and we think, great, I'm off the hook. I, I just think we need to make sure we're seeing this in the light of what that word really means. Amen. Um, I want to wrap up with this. You know, Satan is going to expand all of his energy to try and undermine the most powerful thing in the universe, grace. Grace is so powerful. Grace is amazing. Grace is going to drive you to live the rest of your life uh, to the full, as Christ says. Grace is crucial to be had. If we miss grace, we miss everything. So Satan's going to try to throw every empty word he has at us. All these empty words. And I think one of the things the text says is... Hey, listen, are you walking in darkness or light? And by the way, let's expose things in each other. Let's, let's not ever, ever, ever vilify somebody for trying to help us see our sin. 
I'm sure they probably did it and it could have been a lot nicer. I'm sure they probably could have said it using the words that you prefer. I'm sure they probably could have come to you, uh, you know, after you had your coffee. But here's the thing. Don't ever, ever, ever give somebody a reason to be fearful to talk to you. Don't ever. It's so hard enough to speak up to each other. Let's not give each other more reasons. Let's share things with each other. Let's expose. Let's be able to say, wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up, sleepyhead. You're struggling. Surprise. Right? Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but we're here to help each other. Wake up, oh sleeper. Satan's going to try to get us to lose sight of sacrificial love, to lose sight. He's going to try to have us uh, uh, fueled by disgrace instead of his grace. You know, grace is transforming. The more I see Jesus, not just in the Bible, but in you guys, the more I want to transform. A lot of what we see uh, in Jesus is in each other. I think sometimes we're quick to be critical of each other and tear each other down instead of be like, man, how could I be more like Jim Sabula? How could I be more, you know, like Britney Smith? How could I, you know, she has the Holy Spirit. How could I be more like her? Paul often says, imitate me. How many of us feel good about saying that to somebody else? Hey, imitate me. Just do what I'm doing as I imitate Christ. Paul did that quite a bit. You got you to gotta appreciate that kind of gall. Like, I'm, I'm going for it. And if you want to test me on that, check out 2 Corinthians 11. I've been beaten three times. The 40 lashes minus one. Paul had 147 stripes on his back. Paul says, I've been stoned twice. I've been left for dead. I've had no food, no money, adrift at sea. I've been beaten with a rod. And on top of that, I face the pressure of my love for all the churches. Paul says, you want to do this? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing my best here. Paul's constantly sharing about his sin. I'm the worst of them. But can we, do we feel good doing the same thing? Or, or do we say, no, I'm no good. I'm no good. Just talk to somebody else. I can't disciple anybody else because I'm no good. You're right. Well, none of us are any good. <laughs> I've made plenty of mistakes discipling. You know, ask Rob Jeffers or ask Andre Gould. Um, they could be like, yeah, he's, you know, he's made mistakes. But discipling is not about being perfect. It's about loving each other. It's about pointing each other back to Christ. Since, and, and discipling is not about fixing each other either. You know, it's about loving each other. We don't have, guys, let's not question God's love. Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, How I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Jesus is like, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. But you're not willing. And I want to ask you this morning, why are you not willing? What's stopping you? What empty words are stopping you from walking in love? What empty words are preventing you from walking in love? What is Satan doing to prevent you from walking in love? We've got to see it and we've got to call each other out on it. Or else we're all going to come and I've got to admit, sometimes I have a temptation to, to, to dial back on some of these things because I think, man, uh, we could get a lot more people in here if we didn't deal with sin. This church is a lot bigger. But, you know, if you, don't, if you deal with sin, church ain't going to be that big. People do not like when their sin is dealt with. We've got, we got to do it. We've got to walk because we cannot be deceived by the empty words that our behavior doesn't matter. Behavior matters. It doesn't earn us anything. But grace has to do with repayment. Grace has to do with gratitude. Uh, and it's Galatians 5.5. 5. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you're going, man, Drew, thanks for that one. <laughs> feeling overwhelmed. Uh, that, when I, whenever I finish a lesson and someone goes, that was a lot. I'm like, sorry. Uh, I don't, doesn't sound like a compliment. Um, that was a lot. All right, adios. You know? if, if you feel like 
if you feel like it's a lot, and, and it is at times, let's go to Galatians 5 and just let's take this practical. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Let's take that and let's live it out. You go, I'm overwhelmed. Well, is your faith working through love? Is your faith working through love? And let's not, let's not be a church that's fueled by disgrace because that's not going to last. We're going to get worn out. We're going to get bitter. We're going to get angry. We're going to give up. Let's be fueled by his grace. Amen. Amen. And to God be the glory.